0: anyway tonight we're in Genesis chapter 18 okay Genesis chapter 18 yes voting is Tuesday November 2nd okay huh I'm going to pray definitely I was just telling everybody where to turn in their Bible we're gonna be in Genesis chapter 18 Before we get started, I'm going to (laughs) pray. Father God, we thank you for this evening, Lord. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to come here and learn. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to read and to study your word. And Lord, we thank you that by your word, by the water of the washing of the word, you cleanse us, you help teach us. You conform form us into the image of Christ by your Spirit. And, Lord, we ask that you would meet with us here tonight, that you would sanctify us by your truth. Your Word is truth. Lord, we ask for your grace and your mercy where we fall short. Lord, we ask for the, for the empowering of the Holy Spirit to help teach us, guide us, and empower us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we're going to read Genesis 18, and I'm going to read from verse 1 to verse 15, okay? So as we begin, let's read. Verse 1, And the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the door of the tent in the heat of the day. And he lifted up his eyes and looked, and lo, Three men stood by him, and when he had saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground and said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant. Let a little water, I pray you, be fetched, And wash your feet, and rest yourself under the tree. And I will fetch a morsel of bread, and comfort ye your hearts, after that ye shall pass on. For therefore are ye come to your servant, and they said, So do as thou said. And Abraham hastened. To the tent unto Sarah, and said, Make ready quickly three measures of fine meal, and knead it, and make cakes upon the hearth. And Abraham ran to the herd, and fetched a calf, tender and good, and gave it to a young man, and he haste to dress it. And he took butter and milk, and the calf which he had dressed, and set it before them, and he stood by them under the tree. And they did eat. And they said unto him, Where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, Behold, in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and stricken in age, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure? My Lord is old also. And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I of a surety bear a child which am old and is anything too hard for the lord at the time appointed i will return unto thee according to the time of life and sarah shall have a son then sarah denied saying i laughed not for she was afraid and he said nay but thou didst laugh amen thank you lord for your word So we begin this narrative right after Abraham has already been visited in chapter 17 and told that uh, Sarah's going to have a baby and Abraham laughs at God, right? And now Abraham has fulfilled his part of the bargain. He's circumcised himself, his sons, and every male in his house eight days older and up. Amen. They've done this. And I want to first talk about a few things when we start this. Uh, Number one, if you look at how this starts, it says, And the Lord appeared to him, okay? Now that word is Yahweh. It's Jehovah, Yahweh, okay? That word Lord, generally in the Old Testament, anytime you see the word Lord, that's the word that's being said, okay? Now, in just a minute, we'll see Abraham use a different word, but then go back to using Yahweh, okay? But before we do that, I just want to make a couple uh, distinctions. This narrative has got to take place within three months of the last thing that was written, okay? Because the last thing that was written God told Abraham, your wife will give birth to a child this same time next year. Amen? And he says the same thing in this chapter. Now, it doesn't immediately jump out to you that that's the same thing that he's saying because they use a different terminology here. But when it says, let me find it in the King James so I can show you. Uh verse 10 it says I will and he said I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life now that phrase according to the time of life uh, if you look it up in several commentaries and it even has it here in this uh, King James study Bible it says that this according to the time of life Means, i.e., this same time next year. Okay? That's exactly what that phrase means. Okay? Now, a practical way of understanding this was Sarah had not yet conceived. Okay? And it normally takes nine months to have a baby. Can I get an amen? So, this time frame has to be within three months of Abraham getting the promise that this time next year, and then God reiterating this promise this same time next year. Amen. Cause it takes nine months to have a baby. Amen. So it has to be within this three month window where she wasn't pregnant. Okay. Uh, so you'd have three months where possibly she's not pregnant. And then you'd have nine months where she would be pregnant and have the baby at an appointed time, okay, now, it seems like God has a specific time in mind when he's talking about this, okay, if you just jump back to uh, chapter 17, verse uh, 17, Uh, is it 17, no, it's 21, sorry, He said, but my covenant will I establish with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear unto thee at this set time next year. Okay. At this set time in the next year. What's the ESV say right there? 17 verse 21. At this time next year doesn't quite give the same indication as at this set time in the next year, okay? At this set time. You see why I like that phrase better? Because it's telling you it's set. God has an appointed time for this to take place, right? This speaks to the fact that God does not work in generalities, right? He's not just like, well, sometime next year. No, God's more specific than that because God knows exactly when it's going to happen, right? Because He's all knowing. Amen? Mm hmm. Yeah, about this time I, I like the king james the way it gives you more the more specific language of it's going to be a set time amen i like that phrase better okay now it gets confusing in chapter 18 when they are using the phrase At, uh, what did I say the phrase was? I can't even remember it. It's so odd the way it says it. Verse 10, and I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. That phrase is very antiquated. We don't understand that phrase very well. You know what I mean? Which is why the King James Study Bible gives you a meaning of that phrase. That phrase means at this same time next year. That's what that phrase means, okay? <laughs> Interesting, right? So, uh, verse 10 of chapter 18, is that what it says? It says about this one. Right, right. Yeah, if you're reading the King James on your own without another translation or without somebody explaining it to you, you're going to go, the time of life, what does that mean, right? Now, people in 1611 would have understood it. You know what I mean? But us in, you know, 20th century America are going, what? Why does it say it like that? And, and now that you say it, I get why they say it like, like I understand. Right, right. Right, I wouldn't have without a little research is what I'm saying. I would not have gotten it, right? Now, with this being said, I want to start, Just we're just going to go verse by verse. It says, And the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre. God shows up to Abraham again, okay? And this is, uh, I forget what it says here. Uh, this is the third time that God has appeared to Abraham Okay appeared to him This isn't the first time or you know third time God's talked to him But it's the third time that God's actually appeared to him right And this encounter is different because he shows up like a man it says okay Three men to be exact okay Uh, When we start this uh, I want to note that Abraham is said to be sitting in the tent door at noonday, okay? Why would, you know, like, everybody's like, well, what in the world is Abraham doing in the tent door in the middle of the day? Why ain't he out there working? Because it's the desert, people, and it's hot. And instead of dying in the heat, he's sitting in the doorway of the tent keeping a watch on his flock. Amen? Amen? He's smart. He's old too. Okay, i am going sit out in the heat when I'm old either. All right, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be in the shade. That's why whenever you go to family uh, reunions, all the older people like me are sitting underneath the tree, or we got one of them little canopy things that we're sitting under. Right, we ain't trying to be out there where the kids are playing in the heat. Amen. So Abraham's doing the smart thing watching his flock probably from the doorway of his tent. I would make mention that Abraham has lived in Mamre for quite a while now and is still in a tent, which tells you that he's not, you know, uh, because he's a herdsman, he can't really just establish a house. You know what I mean? He has to take this tent and travel wherever the food is. In Mamre for his herd Amen Uh, Verse 2 it says And he lifted up his eyes and looked And lo three men Stood by him Now I have heard Many commentators say This is just three men Uh, Some commentators uh, Try to say It's three men and then God's there too I submit to you Wholeheartedly, that this is the pre-incarnate Christ and two angels. And I'll show you why I think that, okay? Number one, the one that talks to Abraham repeatedly in the narrative is called Yahweh. Okay? Over and over and over. Okay? He is called Yahweh. Okay, now in the next section that we're going to get to uh, next week, which I'm going to kind of get ahead of myself. Okay, but if you would look at, uh, where is it? What verse is it? Uh very first verse of that section duh ha, ha, ha. okay it says right here in verse 16 and I'm going to read it out of the ESV because it's just a little bit easier okay then the men set out from there and they looked down towards Sodom and Abraham went with them to set them on their way and the Lord said shall I hide From Abraham what I'm going to do. Okay. So they're all walking now. Right. And then verse 22. So the men turned from there. And went towards Sodom. But Abraham stood before the Lord. So it sounds as if. There were three men. Abraham and them went walking. Then two men kept walking. But Abraham and one man. Stayed there. Amen. The other two men go walking towards Sodom and Gomorrah, and that's the last you hear of them until verse one of chapter nineteen, and it says the two angels came to Sodom. So the two men that left Abraham show up in very first verse of chapter nineteen as angels. And it says, the angels came to Sodom in the evening. Amen? The two angels. What two angels? Well, it was the two that left Abraham and the Lord standing there. Amen? So we have clear evidence here that this is Yahweh in some kind of, uh, 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 what do they call it? Goodness gracious. A theophany. More than likely, a Christophany, amen, a pre-incarnate Christ, amen, because, and I will say this, this cannot be Yahweh himself, it can't be God face-to-face that he's seeing, amen, because then Jesus would be a liar when he said no man, or John would be a liar when he said no man has seen the f- God face-to-face except the only begotten Son, amen. So, so so, we have to see this as not just a theophany, but a Christophany where Christ is here talking with Abraham, amen? And then the two angels go off to do what they're commanded to do, amen? Now, with all that buildup, we'll get back to the text, okay? Uh, that's important stuff to talk about, though, right? Because we can get into all kinds of wanky ideas about... Oh, this is just three men, and then God's somehow there. But it doesn't say that. It says, in the very first verse of chapter 18, it says, And the Lord, Yahweh, appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre. Right? It says Yahweh appeared to him. It doesn't say uh, God sent three men to appear to him. It says Yahweh appeared to him. And then it says, Abraham saw three men. Amen? It says, Yahweh appeared to him, and then Abraham saw, the, saw him as three men. Amen? That that's, has to be what we derive from it. Amen? Now, uh, continuing on verse 2. Uh, the other two men have to be angels, given chapter 19, verse 1. Abraham goes and runs out to meet them. And he bows himself down, okay? Now, this could be a formal greeting. It could be just the way that, because Bedouin people do this, right? This is a common way that Bedouin people go meet. When when they see someone coming near their house, they don't do what me and you do and just wait for them to knock on the front door, right? They go out to meet them, all right? Like, if you're a Bedouin and you're sitting in the tent, instead of waiting for uh, somebody to knock on the door or come right to the tent door, you're going to get up and go meet them. And whereas we, on the other hand, we're like, oh, I see somebody walking to the front door. Oh, oh no. Are they going to knock? Oh, because then I feel obligated to open the door if they knock, right? Bedouins felt obligated the minute they saw them, Okay. And maybe we need to go back to that because a hospitality in culture has been lost. Amen. Maybe we need to go back to, oh, I see them coming up to the front door. I'm going to go out and meet them, welcome them in, ask them if they want something to drink. Be just like Kathy Phillips. <laughs> Are you hungry? And she'll ask you 16 times until you say, yes, I'm hungry and I want something to eat. <laughs> Amen. Uh, if you don't know Kathy, you know maybe we just need to have them come over and help with you know something. Have a have a uh, church dinner out there just so everybody can know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Did you get enough to eat? Come on, there's still more left. <laughs> that is definitely mom. Amen. Now he says. He comes up to him, he says, uh, excuse me, he lifted up his eyes and looked, lo, there three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door. So Abraham leaves the tent door and bows himself down towards the ground and said, my Lord. Now I know the ESV says, "O oh Lord, right? The ESV says, O Lord, and it's interesting why the ESV says, O Lord, okay? I'm going to read you a little note from uh, this chapter. It says, O Lord, in the ESV, okay, on 18.3, it says, The term here, Adonai, A-D-O-N-A-Y, is a uh, uh, a distinctive one for God in the Old Testament. And it gives you Genesis 20, verse 4, okay? The polite term of respect, my Lord, in the Hebrew, Adonai, A-D-O-N-I, has a slight difference in spelling, affecting the last vowel. It gives you Genesis 23, 6. The ESV text renders the Hebrew, while the footnote represents a different spelling. So the footnote would say my lord the esv says oh lord okay and i'm going to finish reading it says if the spelling of the hebrew is correct and this is what they have in the footnote and there's no reason to doubt it then abraham recognizes the that one of the visitors is a divine manifestation this explains Abraham's part in the conversation in chapter 18, verse 22 through 20, or 33, when he's talking to God, Yahweh, the Lord, like he wants him to save and spare Sodom and Gomorrah. Amen? Now, if it was a man, how in the world would he be worried about these three guys destroying a whole town? Okay? Three guys are not going to be able to destroy a whole town by themselves. And Abraham would not be worried about them destroying this town if they were just men. Period. Amen. And the very fact that it uses a specific spelling of Adonai that would indicate God or a deity, amen, is very indicative of the rest of the chapter because from here on out, The word Adonai does not get repeated. It's Yahweh, 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 Yahweh. Okay? But that's giving you the indication in Hebrew that this, one of these guys, is God. Amen? So, I want you to get that because that's a very important note. Okay? So, if the Hebrew is rendering it as a... Theophany than we should, as well, amen. Uh, now I know most people, for most of church history, have seen this as a theophany, and the Christian Church for the most part has seen it as a Christophany for most of church history. Okay, it hasn't been until uh, recent years with the introduction of textual criticism and and uh, Uh, this new form of Gnosticism about special revelations that other people have about Scripture that we've even doubted that. Amen? So I want you to understand that church history, for the most part, sees this as God and two angels. Amen? Uh, He bows down. He calls him Adonai. He could see him as an important... He could be seeing him as an important man, but the Hebrews suggest that he recognizes him as God. And the rest of the whole conversation throughout this tells us that he obviously thought he was God. Amen? He stood there talking to him like he was God. Amen? I would argue that the links to which he goes to make their meal tells me that he thinks that this is the Lord. Amen? So let's read a little bit about how he does that, okay? And I want to just touch on a few things here. Uh, Being a good host, he seeks to provide food and rest for them, even water to wash their feet, right? So let's read from verse uh, 3. He says, My Lord If now I have found favor in thy sight. Now notice how he says that. Okay. If I have found favor in thy sight. Now you're not going to use language like that with just a regular visitor. Okay. I find that hard to believe. Number one, you don't see Abraham having that kind of conversation with anybody else ever again or before this okay so the the way that he's talking indicates to me who it is he believes he's talking to amen he says if i have found favor in your sight pass not away or pass me not by okay we got that that old song pass me not O gentle savior remember that hear my humble cry Right, I mean, this is the idea being uh, spoken by Abraham. Don't pass me by. I pray thee from thy servant. And now he's telling them, I want to serve you. I want to be your servant. Okay, he's taking upon himself that title with this person he's talking to. Amen. Now Abraham is not a lowly peasant okay he's a very wealthy man he, he him and lot got so prosperous that they had to separate remember abraham is a very wealthy bedouin man so for him to to uh go so far as to treat this person like they are so far above him that he's a servant is far more than your everyday average hospitality of a bedouin person Okay, this is going beyond that. Uh, he says, let a little water, I pray you, be fetched. Wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. So he's, he's given them a place to rest under the tree. He's got water being brought for him. Now watch this. He says, I will fetch a morsel of bread and you comfort your hearts. After that, you shall pass on. Therefore, ye are come to your servant. Here again, he's using the term servant. Amen. And they said, so do as thou hast said. Okay. So Abram's promised bread, a morsel of bread. But Abraham gets much more than a morsel of bread. Okay. He runs inside and tells Sarah, Sarah, find the best meal that we've got. Mix up some cakes, not just bread, cakes. Okay. Okay. Did you catch that? Not just bread, but cakes. There's a difference, right? Next, he says, uh, verse. Uh, sh- Abraham hastened into the verse six. Abraham hastened into the tent unto Sarah and said, "Make ready quickly three measures of fine meal, knead it, and make cakes upon the hearth." Verse seven. Abraham ran. To the herd, so Abraham runs out to the herd now and fetches a calf tender and good. What's the ESV say there in verse seven? Yes, he 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 finds this calf tender and good, and gave it to a young man, and he haste. To dress it. So they're doing their best to make the best meal they can as fast as they can for this visitor, right? And then he says, and he took butter and milk and the calf which he had dressed and set it before them. Okay? Wow. Wow. And he stood by them under the tree and they did eat. Couple things that are interesting here. Abraham gets, and I think the ESV says curd, right? The ESV says curd. Which butter and curd would be, you know, similar. You get butter by churning. You get curds by churning. The same process, right? So it can mean either or, but either way, the butter or the curds is there to baste the meat, right? And then you have milk. Also, so he's given them milk to drink, meat to eat, right? And the bread, for, for all intents and purposes, the cakes obviously got ate first, okay? I just wanted to point out down here in the footnotes what it's talking about it's a measure, free measure. Uh huh. Right. Fine flat. 21 quarts so, of fine flour. So they had cakes and milk and butter and meat. Abraham went to the extreme to host these three, what he saw as men, but obviously knew one of them was God. Amen. So. He's hosting the Lord. And then watch this. And and then said, then they said unto him, Where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, Behold, in the tent. Now, this is normal Bedouin practice, okay? Normal Bedouin practice, if you have male visitors come, the men would go off to socialize with the the visitors and the women would stay in the tent there were several reasons in uh, uh, ancient culture ancient eastern culture anyway the women kept themselves separated for several reasons none of which was that women didn't have a very good standing in society at that point other than you're my wife and you go cook and clean and do that right okay and Normally, you didn't let women come out because, you know, you don't know these men and you didn't want them getting any ideas about your women, right? You're trying to keep them them separated, right? So that maybe you got some daughters and they're like, ooh, I like your daughters. You know, it's very uh, protective, okay? Because especially in Bedouin society, you're just in a tent. Somebody could come in the middle of the night, snatch your wife, your daughters away right so they kind of keep them separated for a variety of reasons the the bedouin billy graham rule it could be it could be it could be uh that's just one little note that i made on that portion but it, it is it was common practice for the women to stay in the tent while the men visited right He says where is Sarah according to uh, The time of life Okay let's keep reading I want to get to this He says uh, where is Where is Sarah thy wife First of all this should have been The first indication to Sarah That this is not a Normal man okay Because he knows her name And nobody has said her name Right Like this is Should be a first indication that this guy is not just a man, okay? No normal man is just going to be able to walk in and go, Oh, hey, Carmen, Kevin's wife, without ever hearing it, right? Just never going to happen. This is before TV, before internet, before billboards, all that stuff, right? (laughs) So he comes in and he says, Where is Sarah, thy wife? He said, Behold, she's in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And we've already discussed this means at this time next year. Amen. This next time year, uh, at this time next year. And lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door which was behind him. Now, now we have direction worked out, okay, the, Abraham went out to meet them by this tree They're talking, they're obviously talking close enough to the tent That Sarah can hear what they're saying Amen Now, that being said, they couldn't see her, obviously Tent door was closed or whatever, right Because they ask where she's at (laughs) anyway he says this time next year sarah's gonna have a baby sarah hears it she's like you know got her ear up to the tent you know wall and listening what are they saying are they talking about me she hears them okay verse 11 we have a break in the narrative right here just to remind you that abraham and sarah are old really old okay this is this is what verse 11 is all about okay Verse 11 is just there to tell you. Look look at how it says it, okay? Now, Abraham and Sarah were old and well-stricken in years, okay? Well-stricken in age. So, the King James is giving you a rendering. I want to read this out of the ESV just because, okay? Now, Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years, okay? Now, that sounds, that sounds like, you know, nice... Aged old couple in the ESV. Okay, it's like oh, they're 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 old, advanced in years. Do so you see how they're trying to soften that language with the ESV? They're advanced in years. Okay, the King James says Abraham and Sarah were old, well stricken in years. Okay, it doesn't sound the same, does it? It sounds much more harsh when you say. Uh, if I was gonna just say, "Oh, you're advanced in years, Mike," you're gonna be like, "Yeah, I'm a little old." If I said, "Mike is well stricken in age," he's gonna be like, "Wow, you're being mean, right?" He's be like, "Why are you being mean to me?" Okay. So in this case, if if you want the 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 uh, softer version, the ESV is definitely the softer version of this language. Okay, but. I would probably say this well stricken in age is is more abrasive to us than it would have been 400 years ago. Okay, they would have understood this a little softer than we do, right? Uh, Notice this it says, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Okay, The, the ESV says, the way of women had ceased to be with sarah what does that mean according to the person writing this sarah was too old to have babies right this is what we're getting out the way of women had passed on okay like the, the 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 barns closed the the fruits dried up there's nothing happening here right it's not happening Okay, this is is what's happening. That's That's the way they're describing it, right? Now watch this. It has to be the way they're describing it because of Sarah's reaction, okay? Listen to the King James English on this, okay? Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself. Underline that in your mind. She laughed within herself. It doesn't say she laughed out loud. It says she laughed within herself. Saying, this is what she says to herself After I am waxed old I have, uh, shall I have pleasure? My Lord is old also Okay, so Sarah is like I'm way old, way too old for this stuff Will I really have any pleasure? And Abraham is really old, okay How's he going to do this? Okay, this is Sarah's mindset, right? The ESV really paints this picture pretty thoroughly when you read it. It says, Lara laughed to herself saying, After I am worn out, now whose English is being harsh, okay? The, the, the King James said waxed old, okay? The ESV says worn out, okay? Whoa, whoa, Okay? Well, if if I was to tell you, uh, you know, uh, my mom was waxed old, it wouldn't sound nearly as bad as telling you that my mom was wore out. Okay, like whoa. Okay, (laughs) so the obviously the 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 scholars that were writing the ESV understood Sarah's feelings just as well as the King James people did, okay? So they're giving you it in this verse and not necessarily the last verse, okay? She says, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I indeed, or shall I have pleasure? Question mark. So number one, she's like, I'm all wore out. Abraham's too old. How are we going to do any of this? Okay? Okay. Because we're done with the pleasure of that. Okay? This is what they're indicating, okay? Now, we're going to keep going before I get myself in trouble. Verse 13. The second indication that we know this is God. Amen. Look at what he says. And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh? Now, she did not laugh out loud. She laughed in her own self. She, she laughed to herself, said to herself this, okay? But God sees the heart, knows the heart, knows the thoughts of a person, amen? So this is obvious that this Lord that Abraham is talking to is God because he hears her thought, amen? It's obvious that this is God, amen? Amen? The, the, the indication is that nothing is hidden from God's sight, not even Sarah's laughter to herself. Amen? Now she laughs, saying, Shall a. Uh, hold on, what did he say? He said, And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I of a surety bear a child which am old? Now. God doesn't go to the great detail that Sarah does talking about her own self, amen? Sarah says she's all worn out and Abraham's old. And God just says, you know, why does she laugh saying, am I really going to have a child when I'm old, right? So God understands her heart and her motives for laughing, right? But I do find it interesting that Sarah is very very skeptical which is why she gives all the terminology she gives about her and Abraham she's waxed old she's worn out and Abraham's way too old to be doing this right this is how Sarah sees it right this is why she laughs because she thinks it's preposterous right this is how many of us if we thought about you know, where we were going to be here in this church, when we first started in the, in the backyard of my brother's house, even talking about this church, would have thought we'd have been in this building four years later. We would have been like, there's no way. I had no idea how that's going to happen, right? But that's how God operates, amen? God doesn't operate all the time in what you can do more often than not, the thing that God wants you to do is probably beyond your capability of doing, beyond your own uh, 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 financial means, your own uh, uh, educational means, whatever it is. God's plan normally is so far beyond you that you can't see how that's really going to happen. Amen. Sarah's in the same boat. Shall I of a surety bear a child when I am old? Now watch what God says. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Now this is a rhetorical question that God's asking. Because God knows the answer, first of all. Amen. God's not asking the question like He doesn't know the answer. He's asking the question... Number one, because Abraham laughed the last time God and him talked about it. And now here Sarah's laughing this time, right? So God's asking the question to get them and their minds focused on his ability to do it. Amen? He's saying, is anything too hard for the Lord? He's asking it to get them to think about it. Amen? Now watch, he reiterates the promise again. He said, at this appointed time, at, or excuse me, at the appointed time, I will return unto thee according to the time of life. There it is again, at this time next year. But it says, at the appointed time. Amen? King James says, at the appointed time. Let's read verse, what is that, Verse 14. Yeah, verse 14 out of the ESV. It says, Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you. At the appointed time. There's an appointed time that Isaac is going to come around. Notice the last chapter, God names Isaac. He says, Isaac, whom Sarah will bear. Right? So last time we know that God had Isaac's name planned. Now we know that God has the time for Isaac's birth planned, Amen. This speaks to us very clearly that God is the author of life. God not only has an appointment for all of us to leave this earth, but God has an appointed time for us to enter this earth. Amen. At this appointed time, I will return according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Then Sarah denied, saying, I laughed not, for she was afraid. So I wrote a question down. I said, why, does, why now does Sarah deny? Why is she afraid? I think that Sarah, having thought this thought and said what she said to herself, the minute that that man said, why did Sarah laugh, she knew. Now that it was God speaking and not a man. And she was like, oh, I didn't laugh. Why? We don't want to admit that we're doubting God, right? We're like, hold on a minute, Lord. Lord, I didn't mean it. I didn't laugh. No, no, no. I was just playing, you know. I was just joking, God. Psych your mind. You know, (laughs) she she, she's trying to laugh it off and say, oh, no, I didn't doubt, I didn't say that. But the Lord reiterates, he said, he said, uh, and, and he said, nay, but thou didst laugh, amen? And it's interesting that once Sarah gets this she, and she gives her own interpretation of why his name's Isaac, for the Lord has brought me joy, laughter in my old age, right? But the reality is, Abraham laughed, and Sarah laughed, and God is trying to reiterate to him, is anything too hard for me? Amen? Is anything too hard for God? If you get anything out of this narrative about Abraham and Sarah and Sarah laughing and Sarah, oh, I, I can't do it because I'm old. If you, Even if all you remember are the funny punchlines about her being worn out, remember That this is about God trying to ask you this question. Is anything too hard for God? Amen. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Now, consequently, if you go back and read through there, every other time the word Lord is used in that whole chapter, it is Yahweh, Yahweh, Yahweh. When he's talking to him about not destroying Sodom and Gomorrah, it's Yahweh. That one time, Adonai is used, and it's spelled A D O N E Y instead of A D O N I. Okay? And it's using that distinctive to show you that this is God who Abraham's talking to. And Abraham recognizes him as God. Amen? So. When we, when I, I was excited about preaching this because so many times we get just focused on, oh, God's faithful to his promises, which is exactly what this story is about too, amen. Uh, but the rhetorical question that God asks is an important question that we must ask anytime we're doing anything for God, anytime we're being faithful to God, anytime we're trying to do the work of God, is, is anything too hard for God? Amen. That's the question I want to ask this church. I mean, I know we're all, we've all struggled with doubt and depressed and all things ain't looking good over here. Things ain't looking good over there. But the question still remains, is anything too hard for God? Amen. I know that everything's up in the air with with the world and church and everything right now but we gotta ask ourselves the question is anything too big for God and the answer is no nothing's too big for God amen let's pray father God we just thank you and praise you for your grace Lord we thank you for your loving kindness and mercy God even when we laugh even when we doubt you even when we we're just looking at the circumstances and not really believing God that that any I don't bring anything to the table God how is this gonna work Lord when we're asking those sorts of questions you are simply just sitting back waiting to ask us is there anything too hard for me to do and Lord we know that there is nothing too hard for you Lord, we know that you, that that we can make all the plans we want, but you establish our steps. God, we just thank you and we rest in the fact that you are God and you will do what you will with us, God. We submit to you. We ask for your grace and mercy for when we doubt. Lord, build us up, strengthen us in our faith and help us to live out, walk out your will for our life, more for the life of this church, for the life of those who come to this church. God, we ask that you would help them, strengthen them, encourage them and help them grow closer to you, closer to us and help in the work of your ministry. God, we ask this in Jesus name. Amen.